Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everybody, to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, Ministry of Oklahoma Baptists. My name is Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner for Oklahoma Baptists. And as always, joined by our Executive Director Treasurer, Dr. Todd Fisher. Todd. Yes, sir. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Good. I'm excited about the guest that we have today. Yes, I am too. This, I pastored, this guy is one of my favorite people. I, yes, I pastored in the same town as this guy, and I, I'm going to say this serious, and it's going to be hard to be serious most of the day because this man <laughs> likes to laugh. There's going to be. He's okay. already laughing. We've already got him. When going. I when I'm, I'm concerned, <laughs> yes, you should be. When I when I came from Ponca City to Broken Arrow, this was the pastor. This is, and I'm going to say it. This is the only pastor that reached out to me wow. mm. to welcome. He loved me, cared for me. There was never any your church, our church. Um. I got to serve as the first vice president when he was the president of the, con- of the convention, mm-hmm. and Dr. Nick Garland has meant so much to so many young pastors, and I know he's yes. meant, a, meant a lot to me, and we are thrilled to have you here with us Thank today, you, brother. Thank you, for your kindness, and I'm very <laughs> grateful we got acquainted back then and still friends. So that's good. Yeah. We've had a lot of good meals yeah. and fellowship together. <laughs> yeah, and it's been pretty good most of the time. <laughs> well, because you bought. I like that <laughs> yeah. part. I- <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you do. I know you do. Hey, listen, today we want to talk to you. Um, y- y- you, well, tell us first of all, how long were you at First Pass Broken Arrow? Well, let me give one quick insert okay. to this guy you down do. here at the other end of the table. <laughs> yeah, you probably should balance Dr. it out. Dr. Todd Fisher, you are an amazing man. I mm. appreciate so much your leadership and zeal. And I write him periodically. I haven't done it in a while because I've been busy. But you amaze me the miles you put on a car in a week. And I, I'm sure you leave notes for your wife because she never see you. <laughs> but we're very grateful for your service Thank to Oklahoma Baptist. You and Andy and all who serve have just done a remarkable Thanks. job Thank leading you, us. Well, and boy, it. we do pray for you guys the miles yeah. you put on your cars and the, 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 what we're doing to you while you're doing something for us. We're <laughs> yeah. grateful. But truly, I was at Broken Arrow First Baptist for 33 years, yeah. and um, mm-hmm. it was a great journey. We saw God do some marvelous things. The church was very mission-minded when I got there, and they did that very, very well. We really had a heart for the community. The people did, and started Benevolence Center and did several things. Started a church right over there in Coweta that's done very well, Community Baptist, and one yeah. of our own men became the pastor out of yeah. Mass. Yeah. So Fantastic. it was a good journey, and I'm <laughs> grateful. Been retired since the start of 2020, so about three years, four years now. That's so. hard to believe. Now, you know, to anybody that knows Nick Garland, you're, you're a very engaging personality. I'm not even looking at you to say this because I'll just start laughing. Uh, yeah, it's my face. Everybody, I know. you got a face for a podcast. <laughs> you, you have an infectious laugh and, and a personality, but uh, – you're also you you have been very engaging from the pulpit and and I wanted to talk to you about about over the long haul of those 33 years at First BA and in your ministry as a whole about how you have gone about sermon preparation how you've stayed fresh in the pulpit uh, I want to talk to you about the, the your use of humor in the pulpit but I know that for you you were a guy who really liked to do book preach through books yes. of the Bible or, uh, you know, from time to time thematically. D- tell us why 
and and how you went about that. Okay. I did love book studies, and I did that for several reasons. First of all, I discovered the ministry. Too often we treat Scripture like popcorn. We get a little nugget here, mm-hmm. a little nugget there, a little here, and the understanding yeah. of longevity and linear is just not in the minds of our people. Uh, the other side is, I, as I started that process, especially with the Gospels, everybody wants to know if they're Christian. They really want to know the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if we just pick a miracle here and a parable there and an event there, then they know it's all in there, but they, they can't fit it together. And so one of the joys that I felt in my own study was when I began to put together stories and events in the life of Christ, it made me say, okay, what were the events of the life of Moses, the events of the life of David? And so then as you read those books they wrote, you can tie those in. Secondly, the thing that did for me is when you do a verse-by-verse of a, of a book, um, the neat thing is it gives you the foundation for this week, but for next week. Many times as a young pastor, I try to cover eight points in a sermon. <laughs> well, you can do that, but after point two, they're vegetative. <laughs> so, so I said it's better to do three or four sermons with a couple of points or major three and an illustration or two than it is to do one with multiple points. The other side is, and this is true of human nature, is why Jesus taught parables. Truly, we don't remember always the scripture, but we remember the illustration. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus used a parable. We're still telling them 2,000 years later. So if you can tie the events of Jesus' life with his teaching and a parable, and then a modern event that's somewhat related, they, they came to me even in retirement and said, you don't remember, when you preached this, I wrote this in my Bible. Well, that's gratifying. And so that's really how it started, and I found it very fulfilling to help me in my grasp of Scripture and understanding linear versus punctiliar, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? What do you think was the effect long-term upon the people that you pastored for years and years and years and years of of preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible? What Dis- was Discipled? Yeah. The, I think the beauty of that is if you're going to stay somewhere, and I, I prayed that I would – because if you're going to stay somewhere, you can't preach the same three points or snappy sermon starter book. You've got to get yeah. something that gives them meat week to week, or they say, I've heard that story. I've heard that those points. Mm-hmm. Plus, in human nature, we tend to gravitate toward our loves or our preferences versus what does the Bible really teach in even those areas we say, I don't know anything about. Well, if I know nothing about, sooner or later, somebody's going to ask me. Mm-hmm. And I was there 33 years, so they asked me questions I had to say. I, I, I've been here a long time. I don't know, but I'll look. Well, that, that prompting of the people says, let's study, but also let's get on the cutting edge. So the neat thing is if you start on the cutting edge and you begin to develop themes and or books that you know, but you don't know all the history and you don't understand every setting. and You don't understand the Jewish culture when Jesus was preaching this particular insight it helps you to be ahead of the game a little bit. Now, that's not to say somebody's not going to come with something you didn't think about. But as you preach that, they begin to think beyond, oh, so it was a sunny day in Galilee. I mean, they're thinking about, well, wait a minute, why did he say that? Mm. What does this mean? Well, why did he do that? So as, as that comes to the surface, it drives you two places. First, your knees are saying, Lord, please don't let me give him a wrong answer. But also it drives you the book to say, I, I've got to know if I'm going to teach these people. The other thing I think that does is it always keeps you humble. Um, I never had a problem with arrogance because I always knew somebody out there knew a lot more about that particular passage than me, <laughs> and they know more about that particular setting than mm-hmm. me. And then certainly when I try to preach it from a life experience, I remember multiple times in 33 years somebody come with tears down their eyes and say, Preacher, 
I appreciate that sermon, but let me tell you my life experience, and here's where God branded that in my soul. Mm-hmm. You don't get over that. Yeah. Well, if you're doing a just jump, 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 I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but when you're doing through the book, they see it coming, and they almost it's almost a bittersweet experience. If when he gets to that, I know what he's going to say, but I also know that God, when God branded that into me, I hope it'll gain. I'll gain a new insight. And the greatest joy I had is when I said, "Pastor, you gave veracity to what I already believed, but you helped me look at it in a little different light." Mm-hmm. Wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the That's joy amazing. of that is that you really your own soul is enriched. Scripture becomes much more effectively applicable because you understand the, the flow, but you see in their faces a thank you. They don't always say it. Mm-hmm. Right, but oh, yeah. you can see it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, all preach. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, that's it. So, Nick, talk a little bit about. We've been talking to this point about the benefit on the congregation of preaching like that. Talk a little bit about the benefit for the pastor. Wow. Uh, what, just kind of walk us through how that benefited you. How that's going to benefit a pastor in general. It grows you up. Hmm. Um. Some I hate to admit it, and I'm on a podcast that a lot of people don't hear. I grew up in a preacher's home, so I knew the basics, but I didn't always know the real meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, ministry will put you on your knees for two reasons. <laughs> uh, one, the people's burdens, and secondly, your own inept- ineptitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one puts you there first. Well, that's good. Yeah. But, but on your knees, it's real hard to be arrogant, and then when you realize – God, if I'm going to lead these people, you're going to have to lead me because I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd ask you questions. I don't know. I mean, I started preaching when I was 19. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shocked me and the deacons. So, so, <laughs> so you know, at 19, they come and ask you a question, and you're thinking, I didn't even know that's in the Bible. Yeah. So you have to grow up fast. I think the, the main thing it did for me is help broaden my base of understanding, my absolute determination to, to grow if I'm going to lead. And then the third thing is – it, it caused me to realize this thing of doing a, a biblical, and that's what I did most of the book of the Bible, you can begin to build on what you just taught. Mm-hmm. It's like a foundation of a house. A house, the brick mason comes in first, you're going to be in trouble. But if you got a good foundation, then the brick mason's yeah. ready. I, I think that the neat thing is as you study, you build a foundation where you get it. Well, then when you come to that next topic, you can refer back to it and build on that. And the next time it built on that, and then you get, you know, three chapters over, and you say, now, do you remember when we said back in chapter one? Yeah. Now, look how that ties in. And so it, it, it reinforces you. It makes you a stronger leader, but it also gives you great insight into the power of God to keep on working. Mm. He didn't, it's not a moment in time, but it's, goodness, if he did that for these for this long, wonder what he's going to do for us in the journey. Yeah. So it creates an expectancy. It creates a joy. And I, and I got to just say for me, just a better understanding of Scripture and God's Word. And any way you go at that, that's a benefit. Yeah, that's right? good. That's good. Very good. So talk just a little bit too, Nick, about just sermon prep in general. Like let's let's say it's it's Monday – and it's time to start thinking about because last I checked, there's a Sunday in every week. Yes, I know. And uh, those Sundays always keep coming. That's a reality of being a pastor. Regardless, talk talk a little bit about how you would do sermon prep. Well, and again, that's why I love to book study or theme study. You know where you're going mm-hmm. before you before I got wise enough to do books and and that sort of thing. You'd wonder, wow, I just I've got this tomorrow, but what am I going to do next Sunday? Mm-hmm. And there's always that. What, what where you go? Where you, 
if you know that you just covered chapter 2 verse 5 through verse 15, chapter 2, 16 is next. Mm-hmm. So it takes some of the angst out of what I do next. Secondly, I think the beauty of it is it helps you discipline yourself to be a non-repeater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's real easy to get a pet point or two, and boy, you hammer it in every, every sermon. When, when you're dealing with a biblical journey, every facet of that story of Jesus, the life of Paul, the rise of Paul, they're going to deal with different aspects of the Christian faith or the journey of the walk. And so now you're forced to stretch. I don't like that, mm-hmm. but it's necessary. And so every time you come to something new, you got to do additional study and say, God, I don't understand all this. Well, the beauty is you study it, you look for it. Well, then it's amazing. And you all know this, you preach. You'll hear a news story and say, how did God know I was going to be preaching? That's perfect to figure yeah. Or you'll read a news, you'll read a, a, an account of a, a, a story in an in a illustration and think, that's perfect. Well, if you start preparing early, you're ready. Even if you're over here in chapter 2 and you know chapter 4 is coming, it's amazing what God will share you for chapter 4 while you're still for chapter yeah. 2 that you can plug in. Oh, yeah. So my joy was to put together at least the basic points, and you all do this. And then I would, I mean, I'd make notes. It would have taken three weeks to preach the sermon. But if you do that, it's always better to whittle than it is to create. Mm-hmm. And as you're studying, if you're just making notes everywhere, then it's easy to come back and say, well, I don't have time for that. I'll put this over here later, or I'll just not do that. And so the beauty is by the time you've got it refined a third, many times I do it a third or fourth time, by the fourth time you've got the sheer essence. Now all that other is inside, yeah. but now you're getting the cream of the cream to deliver the people to hopefully, to get. if you were excited about it, you can create the joy in them. If you're doing it as a rote study, then they're by you know time you say good morning, they're asleep. Yeah. So you got to be fired up yourself. Mm-hmm. And what fired me up is find that nugget. Mm. And if you can get one nugget, I, I've always found it interesting. I didn't. I didn't do this. But my master would take one principle, put a parable to it, and we're still telling the parable two two, mm-hmm. two centuries, two millennia later, over one point he made. Yeah. Right. The sower went out to sow. I'd have already seven points just thinking about the basket, <laughs> the seed, the crop, yeah, the fertilizer, right, yeah. the preparation field. He said, so and so. Yeah. Now, can you tell the story? Absolutely. Simple, direct, relational. Got it. Yeah. Right. So, Jotting things down and taking the notes and that comment you just made, it's 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 easier, better to whittle than create. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really gold. But that's I where mean, you got to yeah. start soon, early. I mean, you got to start that's early gold. in the week because yeah. you're waiting until Saturday night. Yeah, and you know we haven't talked about this at all. I know, I know, on any episode, what Nick just said about the whole, I'm I'm studying for a a, uh, a passage in chapter two, and then uh, I just see something in my study of this text, and I know chapter four is coming. I, I used to have a little notebook, exactly. right, and I would jot that stuff down in there, going, I need to say this in like four weeks when I come up to this passage, exactly. and I'd look at my schedule and say, I know that passage of scripture is talking about this topic, and it's coming up on this date, yeah, and this, and and then like you said too about an illustration, you know, you're watching the news or something, or a current event happens, you know, that's going to fit really good six weeks from now when that topic comes up. So what Nick just said about Having a little database, having a little notebook, something yeah. where you're thinking about future stuff, that is really, really good. Really good. When I would start – I don't know if you guys did this. When I start on a book, I'm you know four weeks out from beginning on Philippians, let's say. 
Um, I'm, I outline that thing first, mm. kind of get where the preaching outline is going to fall between mm. those texts, and then I would get a spiral notebook and at, at the at, at, uh, on, on the first page, put the first text. On the third page, put the second text, and on and on and on. That way I have that notebook with me constantly and go, oh, that story would go with Philippians 4. Oh, that, that, uh, that point right there. We did, uh, just to, because you don't keep – for me, if I don't keep notes organized, psh, I'm going to yeah, lose them. Yeah. doesn't matter how much I wrote them. Yeah. Uh, Especially yeah, at our age. <laughs> All of, easy, table. Easy. No, all, all of us are on the table. No, all of us are on the table. You don't write I'm it down. It's, folks now, are you? It's hanging in there. You, you said something earlier about being real, you know, about needing to be fired up. And, and, and you are a fired up guy when it comes mm-hmm. to the pulpit. You are. But you, I'm just, I'm trying to be serious about this as much as I can. You are one of the funniest people I've ever been around. Fun people. To be around. You love to laugh. You love to laugh. Thank you. And you love to help other people laugh. And you have a quick wit. When you're preaching, I, I want to talk to you about the use of humor in preaching because there's, there's some definite benefits and there's got to be some dangers. When you're preaching, I know that you're the kind of guy that there's some things that come to your head and you instantly go through a grid to say, should I say that or not? Am I right? <laughs> no, I've never done that ever, ever. <laughs> Are you kidding? Moment by moment, dear Lord, please don't let me say something I shouldn't. <laughs> but you know you want to, Nick. You know you want to. Oh, my. Well, this well, I think this interview's ended. <laughs> so how do you view humor in preaching? I, it's spontaneous. I mean, <clears throat> something will hit you. Growing up, my dad always loved like to listen to old time radio programs, including yeah. the comics or the the com- comedies, mm-hmm. and so listen to those. Every, everything in old time radio is a quick quips. Yeah. Well, if you grew up listening to that, you already may think of a quick quip. I mean, it yeah. just I don't mean to, but it's just there. And it's going to get me in trouble. I've told people that when a doctor smacked me at birth, I just started laughing. I never got over it. You know, mm-hmm. most people cry. I found it. <laughs> Yeah, totally I believe that about you. So, so, so yeah. you, you, most of the time, it's just something you've heard somebody say, and at the most bizarre moment, it'll just be right there. And truly, I'm not teasing when I say it. Most of the time, I have to check myself mentally before I say, because there's a lot of times you think, well, probably that's t- not necessarily inappropriate, but it derails us. Mm-hmm. It takes us somewhere that's off point. Yeah, but you know, in all seriousness, talking about humor, um, you you can do a lot in preaching with a little bit of quick wit, a little bit of something that makes them chuckle because when the when the pastor, when the preacher can use a little humor, there's something very diffusing yes. and disarming about that and it breaks the ice. And you know, one of the things we've talked about on our podcast is is preaching at a high level of engagement. And right. by that we mean you're not just this monotone, flat, dry, this is the sort. You want people to listen to you. Yes. And, yeah. and, you know, and you, Nick, you're one of the most engaging preachers I know, but you have that charisma, that style. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would tell preachers, obviously, don't overuse humor. You're not up there to do a stand-up it's not a comedy, comedy bit. Show, yeah. And... Uh, but don't necessarily be afraid of it, but I think it needs to be used judiciously and careful. Sure. But I would say to what Nick has said, you know, one of the things about humor is some some guys are just not good at it. And, like, you know, sometimes if you're going to kind of tell a funny story, which it, let's just be real honest, it almost is kind of like a joke 
but it serves as an illustration or a break the ice thing. Some guys are just not good at that. There, there is a there is an element of timing yes. that comes in telling a funny story. Some guys aren't good at that, and I would say on humor, a lot of preachers know know thyself. Yes, uh, you know, yeah. and and don't be an old dry stodgy guy. Maybe humor is not your way to do it, but maybe it could be. But uh, I don't really subscribe to those that say, boy, you should never do anything funny in the pulpit. Oh, I think so. And, it's, and to your point real quickly, I, you just said it when you said it brings people back into the room. Look, yeah. let's, who of us listens to anything for 30 minutes? Yep. Right. You got it. You're so, on so, it. So yep. you can kind of tell when they start glazing over a bit. And, and that's when just a quick quip or a quick insight or yep. a twist on 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 a thought Oh, okay, I'm back. Well, then you got them for a few more minutes. That, so yeah. that's exactly, that's it. It's, it's like, the reengagement factor. It's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think too, Nick. Let's just talk about this for a second. Related to that, um, I've heard you preach quite a bit, and you, you're really great with illustrations too. Kind of talk to us a little bit about what your thoughts are on illustrations, how you use them, and where you get them. And their importance. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. Well, obviously, they're all around us every day, so I try, like you all do. I mean, I write down things that I'll hear, see, or put them on my phone as a recording. Years ago, I found that, what is the sermon illustration file? It just says sermon illustrations. You go online, and there's one on mm-hmm. every topic for, you know, 15 on every ABCD of the mm-hmm. topic. So, so, I mean, that's where I started. But beyond that, just over the years, some of the best illustration, I thought about Paul Harvey. He was a mentor of mine through the years growing mm-hmm. up, he always found an interesting insight from something that happened today. Yeah. Or let me tell you about one quick one he told about going to church on a Wednesday night and the dear lady said, you know, when there's prayer request, said, preacher, can you pray for me? And he said, yes, what's going to happen? He said, tomorrow I've got to have an autopsy. <laughs> He said, do you mean biopsy? Yeah, that's it, biopsy. Well, <laughs> that's memorable. <laughs> so, so I think you find neat stories just with people. Yeah. And sometimes you can't repeat them, but if it's not too personal or it's a different church, you can say, here, let me tell you a story I heard. Yeah. And so yeah. you just try to relate it. And you and all do that great. I mean, you relate people all the time. But it's just, as you know, whatever you can relate if people relate to it, yeah. that's good. And the back to the thing about timing, and if you're, that's not your gift, don't don't regret it. Use what your gift is. That's right. That's I mean, I've right. seen some people, their gift is wonderful word studies, but they wouldn't laugh you tickled them. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. boy, that when they start telling I me, mean, Vance Havner was hilarious, but he looked like yeah. you know, a little shriveled-up guy. Yeah. yeah. But when he sure. opened his mouth, it's 220. Yeah. So he didn't try to be funny. And his message sure wasn't funny, but along the way, he'd give you a little humor before he sings you with a conviction, right? Yep, yeah. that's right. You so can, that's who I grew up listening to. Yeah, that's People good. Like that. That, that, that's a good point. You, you said that's who you grew up listening to. How, how much uh, of your own kind of sermonic style or influence came from just listening to other preachers? Andy, I really don't. I mean, I'm sure more than I even know. But my my dad was a pastor, and so through the years, he would have different men come in that were really. He always got really good communicators. Uh, years ago, I was a pastor of Bellevue before Adrian named Robert G. Lee, and he came to Humboldt twice. Little town I grew up, Humboldt, Tennessee, came mm. twice, and he would preach for an hour. Mm. People weren't didn't move. He yeah. preached that famous sermon, Payday Sunday. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I still remember the woman walking to the 
ha, ha, the execution chamber, and he talked about her cold, bare feet on that concrete floor. Mm. There's going to be a payday someday. She had murdered a man. There's a payday someday. And, buddy, I was on the front row, mm. maybe nine mm. years old, and I felt like I was about to be executed. That <laughs> vivid. So, so when you hear those men, Vance Havners and R.G. Lees, and I mean, in our own era, we've had the Adrian Rogers and others, just such good communicators. You try to say, what makes them so effective? And I think it's the voice inflection. It's such mm-hmm. a familiar with the text. They're not just always looking down. They're looking at you. Mm-hmm. Eye contact is a key. It's good. And then the substance of the content has to be compelling. Yeah. If I tell the same, and forgive me, we always see people saved. Who doesn't? But if all you ever give is a plan of salvation, you've been preaching the same church for 30 years, they probably know that by now. Yeah, yeah. So, so you need to give some to help them disciple. He said, go and make disciples. Well, do they know the gospel? Yes. Then what do I need to do to move them from point A to B, C, D, and D, E? And how can I do that in a such a way that every bit is enticing, not more so, along the journey than it was when I was lost and say, boy, what you just said I need. Every sermon ought to have an appeal. Yeah. What is that appeal? We got this yeah. one's on prayer. We're going to demonstrate today if we really mean business. Shouldn't should, shouldn't the place that Jesus said my Father's house ought to be a house of prayer? What are we going to do about that? Mm. Here's the altar. Time for the invitation. Yeah. Do we believe him or not? Yeah. We're yeah. Going to do what he said or not? Well, I didn't give an appeal for salvation, but get church members to move sometime harder, right? So so you make an appeal either to holiness, appeal to prayer, prayer to evangelism, training, something so that every invitation is not just a tack on, but we just talked for 25 minutes about now, will you? Yeah. And that way, nobody feels cheated if somebody's not saved. They'd love to see it, but it may move them to go reach that neighbor It needs to be saved. That's good. Yeah, that That's is really, really good. Really good. And you uh, – that's something I always appreciated about your preaching, Nick, was that appeal that you just talked about. Because in expository preaching, which is a big part of what we do in this podcast, we talk about the indicative and the imperative. Yes. And a lot of times preachers like to park on that indicative, the mm-hmm. actual Bible study, the word study, the grammar. The Sometimes we don't give as much work and attention to the imperative, but you're really not preaching a Bible if you don't have both of those in your sermon. Exactly. And I appreciate that about you, and, and thanks for mentioning that because that appeal is certainly an important part. Well, I think of all everybody, and you all know this. Again, we're not novices. Isn't it interesting? Every time Jesus was present, people wanted to get closer to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, he said, "When I'm lifted up, I'll draw them all." Yeah. Yeah. That's, really that's what would drive me mm. to my knees on Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Did I not preach him? Yep. That's good. So kind of getting close to the end of our time, I want I want to ask you just kind of off-topic a touch here. Um, going to have a lot of preachers listening to this episode. You are a veteran pastor, done so well. What if, if there was just one or two things you could say to pastors today uh, to encourage them, advise, equip them, what, what's kind of just something off the top of your list – that you might say to pastors, you have them as an audience like this? Well, number one, organize your time and spend it wisely. And by that, I mean, I don't care where you serve. There's always more to do than you're going to get done. Yeah. So, you know, if a bivocational pastor, bless their hearts, already put in 40 hours at their four or more at their job, then they say that there's a church family need me. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't spend 40 hours two places. 
So yeah. you have to prioritize what is really urgent, mm-hmm. both for my preparation, but for the people. Um, I think the other side is, and I didn't do this well, so this comes as a broken heart, not as a testimony, but take time for your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I regret that I missed a lot of my child children's childhood because I was always at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, breaks my heart that one time my wife came to me and said, Nick, you've been at the church nine consecutive nights. When do we get one? Mm-hmm. I'll put you on your knees. Sure will. Mm-hmm. Sure and the will. thing I realize as they're adults now is how much I missed. So take that time because that comes once but once. That's right. The church will be there tomorrow, even if you're not the pastor, it'll mm-hmm. be there tomorrow, but you won't have them always. Yeah. I think the other side is that you just realize that it's God's church. Mm-hmm. Um, you bear the burden as a pastor of what you don't see happen, but you realize if I was faithful, the Lord did the best I could. You're grateful for what he let you see happen. Amen. And at the end of the day, it's still his people, his church. And there's a yeah. lot of days I said, God, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. You did yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. But you said it's your church, and so yeah. I'm going to trust you to take care of it. It's good. Yeah. I had a wise old deacon tell me one time, he said, Preacher, don't kill yourself doing this job because if you do, they just go out and find another one tomorrow. That's exactly right. And uh, that's wise good counsel. word. Yeah. Nick, thank you so much, my thank friend. You. It's thank an honor you. to have you here today. Love brother. you, brother. Thank you Great so to be much. with you, too. Thanks for what you do. Well, thank you, Wonderful. brother. Appreciate your example of faithfulness and integrity and holiness. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptist. Visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptist, advancing the gospel together.